want to remind you before we get started the TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner of Purple Insider and the Blue Wire Network. TickPick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging service fees ever. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider, Matthew Collar here, and joining me on the show for Hot Routes, it has been a while since we have done Hot Routes, Manny Hill, also professional Paul Hodewanek, is joining us as well, because in part, I have great questions for you, Manny and Paul, as Hot Routes always is, and also because I want to mention that on our YouTube page, if those of you listening want to go check out some extra content that we're doing, Paul is hosting hot routes where he has five great questions for me and other guests twice a week on our YouTube page. So we're creating a a unique content there. Paul is hosting. We're excited about it. So if you like hot routes and the way this operates, then go check that out. It's twice every week and it's great. So hello to you both. Manny, you are a hot routes legend. Paul, you are becoming one. I'm really excited about this guys. Welcome. Welcome. Excited to be here. I love me some hot routes. You know that Matthew. I do. And uh, Paul, I'm glad that you have started to come around on the ridiculousness of hot routes. I mean, mm-hmm. at first you were, you're very serious professional, Paul. And then by the last episode, you're asking people like what Thanksgiving food Mike Zimmer reminds them of or something like that. So you're coming along. Oh yeah. We're, we're hitting our stride, excited to be here and in the podcast for my hot routes, doing it with the two OGs of hot routes. I'm a little intimidated. I, you know, I've gotten some reps, but I'm I am nowhere near this level. So I I only I am here today to um, just watch you guys work. Hopefully, throw in a few few clever jabs and and get out of the way and let and let really the the two the two experienced veterans go to work. And I have worked in a question that addresses this in some way. So let me, since uh, Jonathan Harrison created an awesome Hot Routes video intro that people can check out on the YouTube for your show, I'm going to play it now for us with Manny's intro, and then we can get into our five questions that address a lot going on with the Vikings and more. So let me hit that. There's news in the NFL today. It's time to break it down in the only way we know how. Hot Rock style. With our spin on football headlines with a mix of frozen tundras, neck rolls, and grass stained jersey. Manny, you should be so proud of that. <laughs> this is your legacy. This is this is who you are. And people have to see it on the video because that adds even an o- a whole other element. We didn't get that right there, but you need to watch the YouTube video to see the to see the full effect. The, the actual flaming routes that yes. Jonathan Harrison created. <laughs> so let's get into it. Let's get into the five questions. First, I want you guys to rank for me in terms of how concerned you are about these teams beating out the Vikings for a playoff spot. The Saints, 49ers, Eagles, and Panthers. Those are the four teams with the highest chances of taking the the two spots, one of the two spots away from the Vikings for six and seven, which is pretty much the best they are able to do unless complete calamity hits. So Manny, why don't you start? Give me your order of how concerned you are about those teams 
taking the spots away from the Vikings? Okay, well, I'll go number one for me is the 49ers. I think just because every time Jimmy Garoppolo, even even when he's not playing poorly, or even when he is playing poorly, the 49ers still find a way to win games for whatever reason. And uh, and he's actually played pretty well at times this year. And, you know, I, I trust Kyle Shanahan to be able to game plan uh, on a week-to-week basis and find ways for them to to win football games. Um, I got the Saints number two just because, again, Sean Payton, even though they don't really have a quarterback right now, I mean, Trevor Simeon, my God. Uh, but I think with Sean Payton having done this for a really long time, he's won a Super Bowl as a head coach, obviously. Uh, so I'll have him in that number two spot with the Saints. The Eagles, I think, have looked – you know, decent at times. I'm still not sure about Jalen Hurts and and how he's going to be as a quarterback, but, you know, they've been able to go on the road and win some games uh, when you think that they probably shouldn't. Uh, so I've got them at number three. I got the Panthers at four. I'm just not really worried about the Panthers. The, the Cam Newton sort of Cam back return was a really nice story. And I like Cam Newton and I always root for Cam Newton, but Matt rules an idiot. I just can't. <laughs> I just have no True. faith in I have no faith in Matt Rule at all. And uh, I mean, this is a guy that thought Sam Darnold was an upgraded quarterback over Teddy Bridgewater, which is just ridiculous. So um, that's my order. I'll go Niners, Saints, Eagles, and then Panthers. But Joe Brady is going to get the next head coaching job, right? Because he's super genius in Carolina. He had Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and Justin Jefferson on the same team and wasn't even the offensive coordinator at LSU, but he is a genius, man. That is the thing. I won't continue to do this rant, but it's unbelievable to me how many times during that Vikings broadcast, they said, there's Joe Brady up in the box. Boy, that guy knows offense as Sam Darnold has 96 yards in the fourth quarter pass. So, all right, uh, give me your – I totally agree with you, though. Coaching with Carolina is the reason that they'll be held back. I thought Cam played actually pretty well. Uh, Paul, give me your order. Yeah, okay. So I started out pretty similar to Manny. I have San Francisco at one. Uh, I think they're starting to round into form. I mean, if we're looking at these four teams, you would have thought so far this season the 49ers probably played the worst out of them, and they're still situated – in a really, really good spot. According to Football Outsiders, I think they've had the fifth toughest schedule thus far, and now they're going to have the third easiest the rest of the way, according to their DVOA. So that lines up nicely for them. They're rounding into form. Debo Samuel looks as good as any playmaker out there right now, the way he's playing. Ayuk is finally getting involved a little bit on that offensive side. It doesn't seem to matter what running back they throw in there. They're at least going to have decent production. They just got Jeff Wilson back for the first time, I think, all year. So they're just... They feel like they're getting healthy. They feel like they're figuring it out. And in terms of just threat to the Vikings, they have a game against the Vikings. And if they win that game, then they're up on that tiebreaker. That could be pivotal later in the year if they end up with the same record. So regardless, that should be the, I think, the the main opponent that you're focused on. Number two, I'm actually going to go the Eagles. And it's kind of going back on what I said last week with Sam when I didn't think they had much of a shot. But after looking a little bit deeper into their schedule, they... They're not they're they're playing some easy teams. They have Washington twice, they have the Giants twice, and I think they may even have the Jets in there too. They do. Like it's yep. it's just based on their schedule alone, you could see them racking up some wins to the point where are they a great team? I'm not sure, but they're they just haven't had to do much in terms of who they're beating, and they just beat the Saints. And the Saints kind of seem on the other trajectory where they're going downward, or the Saints are going downward while the Eagles are going upward, and that's maybe not where we thought they were gonna be. So I have the Eagles 
too. And then I wanted to put the Saints last, but I'm still going to put them third. Their defense is still good, uh, and it's carried them at times. Trevor Simeon hasn't looked awful. He hasn't looked great, but he's not a tire fire. He at least can do a few things, which I don't think I was expecting him coming into the game. And and this is more out of respect for the the amount of talent that they have on that roster and what I think they can do. I think the Panthers are fun with Cam Newton. It's a cool story. But in terms, again, if I'm worried about the Vikings, they already have the tiebreaker over them head to head. So if it came down to that, they already have that advantage. And for me, if we're viewing this in a Vikings context, that's what put them fourth with the Saints third because the, the, the Vikings just have that edge over the Panthers. So that's that's how I went. I was going to put Philadelphia number one because their schedule is so bad. And you brought this up, yeah. but I'll read you their exact schedule. Listen to this. This is hilarious. They play the Giants, the Jets. They've got a bye week still. And then coming out of the bye, the Flying Taylor Heineke's, the Jets, football team again, and then the Cowboys on the last game of the year. I mean, that is all teams that are horrendous, except for the Dallas Cowboys. And the Cowboys could be in a position where they're not even playing their starters in week 17 if they get things back together. And here's, but here's why I'm slightly more concerned about them aside from the schedule. Jimmy Garoppolo, of course, has been better and is, you know, sort of coming along and he wins a lot of games with them. Jalen Hurts is a PFF top 10 quarterback. Obviously, the running is a big part of this, but him getting confidence within their offense and starting to play really well, putting up 40 points. I mean, they may have found something. I'm not ready to declare that just yet, but the way that he's played recently, you're kind of concerned that against these horrendous teams down the stretch, Jalen Hurts gets hot and takes away a playoff spot. Now the Vikings only need one of the two. And your point is very valid about the, the battle that's this week will ultimately maybe determine it, but um, the Vikings are coming up on a lighter part of their schedule. These two teams are coming up on insanely easy schedule. So I think similar lists and sorry, Trevor Simeon, I just don't trust you. I just, <laughs> I just don't. Although Taysom Hill just signed a new tight end slash quarterback contract. Remember he's, He's up and coming. He's like 38. Like he'll mm-hmm. soon, he'll soon figure it out as a quarterback. Uh, <laughs> all right. Here's our next question. Our next hot route. Who has the all time better group of wide receivers, the Minnesota Vikings or the San Francisco 49ers? Paul, why don't you go first? Yeah. And maybe this conversation will date me slightly as will other conversations later, I think in hot routes. But for me, this really came down to how much you're just weighing Jerry Rice and his excellence over it, because going through at least from what I had recognized and going through some of the stats, I the depth of the Vikings seems to very much outweigh what the 49ers can put out there. And so it's how much do you factor that one guy over the rest? Because it's it's Jerry Rice, it's Terrell Owens, and then it's it, it kind of gets a little it gets a little spotty from there. Um, like I was like, oh, Anquan Bolden, but then he I mean, he's only been on the team for three years. You're starting to just look at. I was trying to think of some of the really great teams and some of their wide receivers, and it just wasn't as impressive. And so for me, it's the Vikings. I'm taking the Vikings overall just because of that depth. I think Chris Carter, Randy Moss, Jake Reed, Anthony Carter, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson. I just rattle off a ton of names, and I think all those would fit pretty neatly under Jerry Rice, Terrell Owens before a lot of their other picks. And so for me, I was going quantity over quality. I mean, and and just for the fact that the last 10 or so years, I think it's it's Vikings all the way in terms of where you're looking. And Obviously, that's where most of my viewing experience comes from. And so that's where I went. And I mean, it's it's hard to go against Jerry Rice in any wide receiver conversation, but I, I went quantity over quality. How about you guys? Yeah, I did the same thing. I mean, I, I kind of just looked at 
you know, the, the, the overall depth between the two. I mean, Jerry Rice has so much value in itself because he is the GOAT. He's the greatest ever. Uh, but, you know, once you get past Jerry Rice and, and T.O., there's kind of a drop-off a little bit. There's, there's been some other receivers that the Niners have had. You know, John Taylor was really good. You know, even back in, you go back to the 70s and into the early 80s with Freddie Solomon, he was really good. Dwight Clark, you know, rest in peace, uh, was actually really, really good um, in the early 80s. I mean, he, he he was more than just a catch in the um, 81 NFC title game. He was a really good, uh, productive wide receiver for them. But after those five guys, it's kind of like, okay, well, who else is there? I mean, yes, Anquan Bolden played there for a couple of years, but when I think about how good Anquan Bolden was, I think about his years in Arizona. Right. You know, Isaac Isaac Bruce had a cup of coffee with the 49ers, but everybody always believes, you know, thinks about Isaac Bruce with the Rams. You know, that's when he was at his best. So he doesn't count. And then you look at the Vikings and it's Carter, it's Moss, it's Anthony Carter, it's Diggs and Thielen, it's Justin Jefferson, it's Jake Reed, it's Ahmad Rashad, it's John Gilliam. I mean, those guys were all really, really good wide receivers. And I think just with the overall depth, I think the Vikings have the edge. I think so too. And that was what I was curious what you guys thought about how much you weigh Jerry Rice. He doesn't, like Randy Moss doesn't quite cancel him out because he does not have the insane totals that Jerry Rice has that are pretty much uncatchable. And I don't even know with the 17th game, if anyone ever approaches what Jerry Rice did. Uh, The Vikings have some of these underrated guys that I just don't think San Francisco has. You mentioned Anthony Carter. Anthony Carter would probably be a top three wide receiver on most teams, all time great wide receiver lists. And he doesn't even get the the third mention for the Vikings now. Um, So you have, you know, obviously Chris Carter and Randy Moss, and then Jake Reed gets involved in that conversation too. You mentioned Gilliam. Uh, JJ Stokes just is not, (laughs) giving the, you know, making this a competition. So quick follow-up though, is there a team that competes all time receiver wise with the Minnesota Vikings? Because I was going through this and I don't think now that Jefferson is what he is, and I know it's only his second year, but if he continues on this trajectory, I can't find another team. The Los Angeles Rams have some good, I mean, you have Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce, Henry Ellard, Flipper Anderson. So you've got some mm-hmm. pretty good Los Angeles Rams. And, and then Cooper Cup is one of the best in the league right now. But I can't find a team historically that competes with the Vikings receiver-wise. Yeah, I, I can't either. You just think about all of the names and where those guys would be ranking-wise on other teams. You mentioned Anthony Carter. Like, where would Anthony Carter be all-time on a lot of other you know, teams all time lists. I mean, he was, he was unbelievable. He was a guy that got multiple years of 20 plus yards of catch. And just, I mean, that, that playoff run the Vikings had in 87 where they went to the NFC title game. I mean, he was unbelievable. He torched the saints and torched the Niners and, you know, the Washington found a way to kind of corral him a little bit, but um, I mean, just, he was, he was unbelievable. And, and just all the depth beyond, beyond him with Jake Reed and Gilliam and all those guys, it's, it's hard to argue uh, anyone other than the Vikings. Yeah. How about Pittsburgh? How about Pittsburgh, Paul? Uh, Cause you have, I mean, Plexico Burris, Heinz Ward, and then you got to go back. You get the John Stallworth, Lynn Swan. Lynn Swan. Yep. They, I think they're maybe in the ballpark, but still, I don't know that like Burris. Antonio Brown. Anto- <laughs> yeah. You know what? I think they actually do. I think that Pittsburgh does. Is there anybody else, Paul? 
Not that I could name. I, I was going to ask you what other names, what other teams came to mind. Pittsburgh was one of them uh, for me, but I I can't say there's one that comes off the top of my head. And just thinking about that one, I think the the high end Moss Carter uh, just tandem I think puts me above the edge on that one as well. Uh, so there there was nothing else. But I'd be interested to see if if there were anything anyone else that you that you thought of. I think Pittsburgh is probably the only other team that has a competition. I mean, there's some, there's some teams that have had multiple really good stints of wide receivers, but never had like the longevity of like Mar- uh, Moss and Carter and, and Anthony Carter, like those players played for a long time. And then Diggs was even here for long enough uh, to put him ahead as well. So there it is. If anyone has a, a suggestion there, let me know because I can't think of another team other than Pittsburgh that competes with them. All right. Next question. If the Vikings finish with a top five offense and still somehow miss the playoffs because these other team schedules are so easy, would you fellas be willing to sign Kirk Cousins to a contract extension of three years of our lives? Manny, why don't you begin with this? Because right now the Vikings are top three in expected points added through the pass. Mm -hmm. And I believe they're seventh in total offense. They're on the rise as an offense if they finish top five in points, which is really the uh, prerequisite for being a Super Bowl team, but somehow just had bad luck and missed the playoffs or these other teams got hot. Would you sign Kirk Cousins? Oh, um, (laughs) I had to really think about this. I was really on the fence with it. And this is kind of the frustration that I've had with Kirk Cousins for these last four years. Um, I would say probably not. I would say no, um, only because I just feel like no matter how good this offense is going to be with Kirk Cousins, like the peak for this team under Kirk Cousins is always just going to be somewhere between eight and 10 wins every single year. It just, it, it doesn't matter how good Kirk's numbers are. It doesn't matter who the coordinator is. I don't think it matters who the head coach is going to be. I don't know if it matters how good the defense is going to be or how good the offensive line is going to be because there's, we've seen so many different, you know, he's had so many different coordinators and he's had so many different weapons to throw to and so many different offensive linemen protecting him and different, you know, defenses that have been ranked pretty good versus not so great. And you just still end up with just nine or 10 wins at the most. And I just, to me, if 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 I'm the Minnesota Vikings and this offense is top five, I still want to find a way to get to the Super Bowl. And to me, I'm I'm trying to build this roster in the, the best way to win a Super Bowl. And for me, it's like I gotta move on and try and draft a young guy and try and just go go with a young quarterback on a cheap contract and try and build a uh, build around them that way. Because I I just feel like this quarterback has just this is this is the best that they're gonna get. They're gonna they're going to be in the mix every year for the playoffs, but they're always never going to be good enough. Hey, everybody. Minnesota football is in full swing, and there is no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the Internet for Minnesota football tickets because TickPick, that is T-I-C-K, P-I-C-K is the original no-fee ticket site. It's the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for football tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which allows them to guarantee the best prices on all of your tickets. Don't believe it if you can find better prices on the same seats on another site. TickPick will give you 110% 
of the difference. Now, we've had lots of exciting games at U.S. Bank Stadium this year. There are still more to go, including Los Angeles coming here. It's always interesting when Chicago comes to town. So you're going to want to go to TickPick.com and check it out. And make sure it's TickPick.com slash insider because you can save $10 on your first order for Minnesota tickets. That's TickPick.com slash insider. Yeah, uh, Matt, this is a conversation we had a lot last year when they were going through their ups and downs, and we were kind of in the midst of, did they need to sign him to another extension in the offseason? Like, should they have just rolled with it? Should they have not? And yeah, this is a tough question, and this is what makes Kirk such a such a polarizing topic. Um, one of many reasons is it's just, I, I've had to stop. This year, I've tried to make a concerted effort to not pay as much attention to the stats as I would for other scenarios. Like I am a big, big numbers guy. Like I'm, I use the PFF numbers often during hot routes. I'm, I use the DVOA numbers a ton and it, it just doesn't always match up with what you see on the field. And that's why it can only be part of it. It has to just be part of the context. The numbers have to be part of the context. So do they have a top, if they have a top five offense, I still want to see the context behind it, what it took to get there. And if if that was the case, that is probably the most consistent we've ever seen Kirk Cousins because the whole thing is he's this roller coaster. He has the really hot weeks. He has the really low weeks. If they have a top five offense, presumably that means Kirk has had a really, really good stretch and an elongated stretch, one that we haven't seen in his career. And so that's all we've been asking for him. So I feel bad saying no still, but that's that's where I'm at because we're just continually in this question. And if they still don't make the playoffs with the top five offense, I know it's not Kirk's fault. We've been through this. It's not Kirk's fault, but it's not Kirk's play in a vacuum. It's what his contract means to the team. It's, I mean, again, going back to the numbers, he could have two picks in this last game very easily if he didn't get hit in the helmet. And if one guy didn't drop a pass, it looks much different regardless of the stat line. And so for me, it's, I, I, I can't commit to doing that. And if they miss the playoffs, despite having a top five offense, despite having this pretty clear-cut road for you is Zimmer still there I mean that's a question you ask then too because that really influences where it's at because if Zimmer's gone Spielman might be gone and then you're looking okay are you extending this quarterback only for a coach to have to come in and keep him for a few years like where are you at and so I think if they miss the playoffs again that really puts jobs in jeopardy in terms of the head coach and the GM and at that point you can't extend him you maybe I've been a a proponent of just letting him play out his contract as untenable as it feels, let him see, let it, let us just see what it looks like on with the new coach. If that's the case, let him have a trial run with it, see if that's what's going to work and then go from there. But we've been stuck in this purgatory of, okay, he's, he's here for two more years. Then you're going to, you're going to extend him again. And to do that again, despite a missed playoff run, like I know QB wins aren't a stat, but at some point they're a stat and he's, 500 for the rest of his career, all the quarterbacks around him in his pay, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, even Matt Ryan, who's a little lower. They all have winning records. Kirk does not. And I I just can't commit to doing that. I don't know. And in addition to that, Paul, if they miss the playoffs this year, you're talking about four years with Kirk Cousins as your starting quarterback and you made the playoffs one time. Right. One time in four years. That is not why they signed him. That is not why they're paying him all this money. And I know the argument is going to be, well, it's not Kirk. It's it's the defense here. Like it wasn't Kirk's fault that they didn't do it. But at some point, it it's just a product of what his contract means, what he means to the team. And I am long been a proponent of if you're not winning the Super Bowl, just be bad. Like 
this middle ground, I, I'm, I'm, I understand why people would want to be good, hope for some luck, hope for some things to change. It happens all the time and maybe you get hot. But for me, I, I would rather be bad for a few years, have the uncertainty of what it looks like with someone else and ride that out. That's just what I would prefer. But I understand why people like the stability of it and being in it every year and you just need a few things to go right. But we've seen that for the past how many years and it hasn't worked out. So I, if they're in that position, I'm just ready for a change. See, I don't think that the choice has to be between the possibility of being really bad or sticking with Kirk. I, I mean, I think that even if you look at the Patriots and what they're doing with a rookie quarterback, if you surround a rookie quarterback with a lot of talent, even Justin Herbert was this way last year where their team was competitive and down the stretch, they won a lot of games with a rookie because he had wide receivers and he had an experienced coaching staff at the time. I'm not convinced their coaching staff is great now, but Herbert then takes that next step, wins games. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes' first year as a starter, they go to the AFC Championship. If you pick the right guy and you give him two elite wide receivers, an offensive line that you're trying to grow, a running back or a running game that's going to be good, I mean, then you have an opportunity uh, to be good right away, even if you draft the rookie quarterback. The, th the thing about it uh, is QB wins may not be a stat, but it's certainly a team stat. Uh, it's a franchise stat, the standings, and it's the one that matters the most. And if you have this same situation with Cousins, who has played, I would say, well every year. I don't think there was any year where he's been a Viking, where we just went, what the hell? Like, I mean, 2018 was rough at times. It was also really good at times. This was never Christian Ponder. This was never Matt Castle. This is a quarterback who's always been up toward the top in a lot of statistical categories every year he's been a Viking. And I think what that would tell you is this formula doesn't really work. And it would remind me of kind of the Matt Stafford, Jim Caldwell type of era where Stafford played well. I think they had the seventh best offense in the league the year that Caldwell got fired and they couldn't stop people on defense in part because you're paying a quarterback a lot who's just not good enough to be Rogers level and make up for all of your deficiencies and make up for all of your mistakes. So I, I think the other part of it too, is cousins is not taking less. He's taking whatever the market says. And that's probably the, the deciding point there for me would be, he's really been good this year. I mean, uh, you could argue one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but if it's going to be the absolute top dollar, even Russell Wilson's team is not good paying him the absolute top dollar. And that that's where it becomes very tricky for me. Now, uh, next question for you guys. Uh, let's see. We've seen only, you know, some good showings by quarterbacks this year, but only a handful. It's really interesting how kind of not great quarterback play has been this year. Return of fans on the road might be a factor. Injuries, definitely a factor. We've only seen a couple of quarterbacks be great. Brady, Kyler Murray. This is in part why I think Cousins is ranked as one of the highest in the league. Um, how many teams do you guys think are looking for quarterbacks next year? And this sort of ties into Kirk because they might trade him. So uh, I don't know who went first last time, but uh, I'll go. Yeah. Paul, go ahead. And I went back and looked for this past year, how many teams changed quarterbacks just for some reference on what we got last year in terms of this year. And, you know, there's a little bit confused if you're going to count Tua as what you're going to do. Like there's some, there's some things you can work around, but it was right around 12 or 13 teams made a quarterback change. And so from last year to this year, so that was kind of my benchmark number. Is it going to be more? Is it going to be less? I ended up slightly less. I was at 10. I'll go through the teams that I think will have different quarterbacks. The Vikings are not one of them. 
just based on his contract and where it's going. I just, I, I kept him conservatively on the Vikings, but this was my list. And there are some surprises, some that are probably make sense, but I had the Steelers going a different direction. The Browns going a different direction without Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting discussion. Probably Texans Broncos, the football team, uh, the giants with Daniel Jones, I thought could maybe make a change. Packers, I had making a change. Lions, 49ers, I feel like might tr- turn it over to Trey Lance next year. And the Seahawks were also one that I had. So that that was where I got to 10. So I'm interested. That's to how the routes where- get hot, Manny. That's how they get hot, is when you predict that Russell Wilson and Baker Mayfield won't be in their spots. Gotta, you gotta do something, right? We can't, we can't, we can't just, we gotta keep, keep people out of their seats. You gotta be aggressive. We've been yeah. saying it all year. Yeah. Hey, can I just add in real quick that that previous conversation is only if they were to miss the playoffs. I think yeah. it's a different conversation if they make the playoffs and win a couple of games, even if they don't reach the Super Bowl. If they play highly competitive playoff games where their offense is great and they lose because the defense isn't good enough, I think you are signing Cousins to an extension. So I just wanted to tack that on because the, the caveat was that they missed the playoffs and that might've gotten lost in our conversation. So uh, Manny, do you agree? Baker Mayfield, Russell Wilson might be looking for new places to play football next year. Well, I hadn't thought about Baker, um, but I've kind of thought about Russell Wilson just because of all of the, the, the trade rumors that were popping up in the off season for him. And, and you talked, you mentioned earlier about just how, they're paying him so much money and they are just awful. They just can't win any games um, even when he plays. So you have to think, well, maybe, maybe they'll look to to trade him and, and sort of just blow that whole thing up and try and start over with a, with a new younger quarterback. Um, yeah. I, you know, Paul had a lot of the same teams that I had, you know, Pittsburgh. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is just, I, I know the Steelers almost, you know, charger, the, the chargers, um in that Sunday night game but I mean Ben Roethlisberger that last drive you could just you could just see he's just he's done this is this is it's it's time Pittsburgh it's time to move on Ben's done um Denver you know I I love my guy Teddy Bridgewater but I I I can definitely see them going in a different direction especially if they have a chance to get you know like an Aaron Rodgers or something in the offseason or maybe trade for Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson or something like that Houston is definitely going to have another quarterback Miami is an interesting one. You know, if Tua plays well the rest of the season, maybe they stick with him, but I could totally see them going in a different direction um, if he kind of fizzles out. Washington will be looking for a new quarterback. I think the Giants should be looking for a new quarterback. I think Detroit should be looking for a new quarterback. I don't think anybody thought Jared Goff would be there long term. I did think Um, Tim Boyle could be, but man, just uh, didn't happen last week. I don't know. (laughs) um you know carolina carolina would be interesting i don't i don't you know i love cam and it's a really cool story but he's probably not going to be back there next year i don't know um san francisco i think will turn the turn the keys over to trey lance next year um another team i thought about was las vegas um just because they're gonna have a new coach and you know maybe that coach walks in and says I don't, I don't know if Derek Carr is good enough. And Derek Carr is kind of at that age now and at that stage in his career where he might need to go, he might need to go elsewhere depending on um, the direction that the Raiders decide to go in with their, with their next head coach. So that's, uh, that's what I have. I think that's a sneaky one too, just because 
I think another team could talk themselves into Derek Carr. So he feels like one that another team could go out and trade for a Broncos where they have everything around ready to go. Like some of these teams that were prepping for Aaron Rodgers and didn't get him, like maybe that's, that could be a consolation prize. If you don't get Rodgers, you don't get um, Russell Wilson. If both of them are moving or something like that, like Derek Carr seems like one of those guys, if you feel like you have a good team, you could plug him and play him and feel like you have a shot. So that one's sneaky because he's, he's solid and that could be enough for another team to go out and try to get him. If you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, they have a couple of pretty good receivers and a good defense. Defense is hard to keep together, but they always seem to. I mean, they've got to be looking at next offseason like the world is ours. Someone's going to play quarterback for us. Maybe Mm -hmm. it is Aaron Rodgers. Maybe he wants to go to another legendary franchise, or maybe it is Russell Wilson if they want to trade him to the AFC. I agree that Pete Carroll needs to step down for uh, health reasons. Yeah, that's it. Uh, he he's, he's washed. He's done. And Wilson's probably had enough of playing for this team that doesn't really fully trust him and never has. There was like a half a season where they let him run the offense and then they seem to get concerned about that and then kind of pull it back. So they've never really given, given him the full reins. Jimmy Garoppolo can win a lot of football games for a team. And it's almost a guarantee that he won't be the quarterback there. Uh, I don't even know what the hell happens with Deshaun Watson. The guy's going to play in the NFL again. You guarantee that if, if Mike Vick played in the league again, Deshaun Watson will play in the league again, but where he plays, how many draft picks somebody has to give up. I mean, there is so much fascination here and that's part of it of the, the cousins conversation is as great as he's played. There's just this little pang of intrigue of like, but look at all these quarterbacks. We're kind of moving around. We always talk about the rookie quarterback and rookie quarterback contract, but you're like, but this guy might get traded. And then there was the rumors about Garoppolo. Yeah, obviously you wouldn't really want that, but at least enough to think that they were sniffing around these ideas. It makes it really fascinating. And, and I've been amazed guys at just how quarterback play in the league is imploded this year. It just has not been good in a lot of cities. Yeah. And I think another important factor was last year when there were 13, there were what five quarterbacks drafted in the first round. There were a lot of prospects that teams could talk themselves into I mean, we'll see when comes time for the draft if people talk themselves into a lot of quarterbacks again, but there aren't as many clear-cut guys where you feel like you're ready to ditch a mediocre starter for someone. But there still are teams that we didn't mention that could make this list go higher. I mean, the Eagles, depending on how their season ends, Jalen Hurts has always kind of been up in the air. For me, it feels like he's probably earned a little bit longer of an extended tryout. We'll Mm -hmm. see. Uh, Matt Ryan with the Falcons, if they just continue to – go down and down and down. That's a name we didn't mention at all. So there's another team. Um, and yeah, I, I, I still think the Baker one's really fascinating that could, that there's just, there's a lot of possibilities. There's going to be teams we didn't mention that move on. And there's going to te- be teams we feel like are obvious and the giants are going to stick with Daniel Jones or the football team's going to mm-hmm. stay with Heineke. It's just, it's, it, it's just the product of how this league works. Like I, I don't know which teams are going to be those teams, but they're going to be out there. Like, is Jameis coming back at the same level? Like there's just so many teams that could switch around. And I, I think 10's around a safe number where that, where that lands. Sam Ekstrom here wondering if you're stuck on your company's injury report in an unfortunate situation like that. It's good to have someone in your corner. That's where Kemet Sanford and Kramer law can help you understand your rights under Minnesota's workers' compensation laws. There's enough uncertainty in our lives nowadays that the last thing you want is to feel helpless if you wind up in a bad situation after a workplace injury. Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer will fight for you if there's been a wrongfully denied work comp claim so you can get the benefits you deserve. 
If your claim's been accepted, they help with rehabilitation disputes, medical disputes, help you get a second opinion, and ensure you're getting all the benefits you're entitled to on an accepted claim. Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer will provide you a dedicated and experienced disability attorneys that have secured their clients tens of millions of dollars. Our good friends Mike, Pat, and Evan will handle all that messy legalese to and from the insurance company about your claim while you focus on what's important, your recovery. And there's no cost involved for reaching out to Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer. In fact, you don't pay a dime unless they successfully obtain your benefits. You get paid, then they get paid. It's that simple. The website is yourminnesotaworkcomplawyer.com where you can find a phone number to get a free consultation. This is an attorney advertisement from Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer, yourminnesotaworkcomplawyer.com. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Taylor Heineke earning a full-time job in Washington would be really something I never saw coming. <laughs> I did get emails last year after that playoff game of people who said, did the Vikings make a mistake letting uh, Taylor Heineke go? And it's like, no, I think Case Keenum went 13-3 and three that year, so I think that went okay for them. Uh, okay, so now here's our last hot routes question. Um, okay. Now, this is, this is really important here because uh, Manny and I are products of the uh, millennial generation. So we grew up watching 90s football. Paul, you are uh, not too separated from being intern, Paul, and in your 20s, obviously. So there's a, there's a generation gap here between Manny and I and you. Here's what I want to know, Manny. What's the one thing about the NFL from 20 or 30 years ago when we grew up watching it that is hard to explain to a youth like Paul Hodewanek? <laughs> well, and, and Carl, I'm actually wondering if you're going to have this same thing too, but Paul. So how old are you, Paul, first off? 22. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Same age as Justin <laughs> Jefferson. Okay. Oh, oh God, boy. that makes me okay. seem seem mighty. Uh, nah, a lot great. of similar comparisons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people comparing comparing me and Justin Jefferson. This pod's not the first one. Yeah. All right. Let's see. How do I how do I break this down for you? Well, Paul, there was a time back in the nineties when all of if not most of the divisions in the nfl were just a complete cluster bleep <laughs> just in terms of geographically where the teams were in those divisions uh related to where they actually were in the united states um the <laughs> uh to put it into perspective the nfc east had yeah you had the, the cowboys the giants Washington football team. The Cowboys the don't even make sense in the East anyways, but that's, that's another, you know. Yeah. And, and that's true, but the uh, Cardinals were also in that division. Yep. And uh, yeah, the Cardinals had to play the giants, Washington and Philadelphia twice a year. <laughs> and somehow I mean, this, that's not even the craziest one, right? Like Tampa Bay is in the central Yep. And, and then the Vikings used to have these epic battles with the terrible Tampa Bay teams and Barry Sanders would have half his yards if he couldn't have played Tampa Bay all those times. <laughs> and and uh, th th there's even more like Atlanta was in the NFC West. Yes. There was a point in the late nineties, Paul, where every team in the NFC West, except the 49ers was not in the Western time zone. <laughs> 
It made, and <laughs> Seattle was an AFC team. It made no yes. sense at all. Yeah, Seattle um, wasn't. Seattle was an AFC team. But yeah, there was a time where there was five teams in the NFC West in the late '90s, and the only team that was actually in the Western time zone was the 49ers because you had the Falcons, the Saints, the yep. Panthers. And by this time, the Rams had moved to St. Louis. So they were in the central time zone. So, yeah. And that's just the NFC. That's oh, yeah. Just the I, NFC. It, was, it was a complete mess. Uh, that was not what I was going to say. What I was going to say, Manny, because we're recording this on Monday night. Monday night football used to be the thing. It, I mean, it was gigantic. It, like Sunday night football is big now and everybody watches it, but not even close to what Monday night used to be. It used to be Frank and Alan and Dan, and they had these epic intros with the two helmets smashing into each other. And the entire nation was watching every single game. And when those guys stopped broadcasting together and they tried Boomer Esiason and Dennis Miller, it, it just fell off hard. They tried putting Al Michaels with John Madden for a little while. Madden was washed at the time and it just it lost his pop. But when we were growing up, I mean, it was the biggest program on TV. It was the thing everybody waited for and anticipated. And it was the best broadcast, I think, in football history. I mean, some are all Madden are tremendous. But that Frank and Al and Dan hyping up every single matchup, the song, everything else. Now it's like, oh, Monday night, what are the Jaguars playing the Titans or something? Or is that Thursday? You know, like, just, I don't even know who's like the Giants and Bucks right now as we're recording. It's like, who cares? I mean, it's mostly who cares matchups. Uh, but back in the day, it was huge. And, and nobody watched Sunday night football. Sunday night football was where they put all the random teams and they yep. would be on like TNT or ESPN or something. ESPN, and no one yep. was watching. Uh, and it just completely, completely different. That has shifted big time. Yeah, TNT broadcasting games is even weird for me to hear as a Vern Lundquist, baby. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep, for sure. Uh, I'll give you another one, Manny. For some reason, and this still sort of happens every once in a while, kickers used to wear the single bar. I have no idea why. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, what you couldn't see with a regular face mask, the ball that you're kicking made no sense whatsoever. The single bar. Of course, everyone wants me to mention the neck roll. The fullback position. I'll give you one more, Manny. You can comment on this. Mm -hmm. There was probably like four quarterbacks that you gave a crap about in the early 90s. And everyone else was like, I don't know, Paul Justin is playing for the Colts or something. Or like Neil the Vikings were quarterbacking the yeah, Steelers. Somebody. <laughs> it was like Aikman, Young, and then like Jim Kelly, Dan Marino. That was it. Nobody yeah. far. Nobody cared about anybody else. It was running backs, man. The running backs were everything. Every team had a great running back. That was the guy everybody had the jersey of. Those were the guys that you were like, yeah, th they are the big superstars. It was it just that peaked, I think, in the early 2000s when Paul was a young tyke, but it has not been that way in a really long time. But the, the Madden era, you're like Emmett Smith, Thurman Thomas, all these great running backs, Barry, Barry Sanders. Sanders. Yeah. And, and speaking, now, you know. Speaking of Barry Sanders, one more uh, sort of Thing it might be hard to believe, Paul, in the 90s. The Detroit Lions were actually a decent <laughs> football team. They were, yeah. 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 They yep. even went to the NFC Championship game one year <laughs> back in 91 where they lost to a really good Washington team. Um, but, yeah, I mean, with Wayne Fonts and they had receivers. They had Herman Moore and, and Johnny Morton and had Robert Porsche was a really good pass-rushing defensive end. and Brett Perriman. Brett Perriman, yeah. I mean, the Lions were actually 
in a lot of ways, they weren't the Lions. Now they weren't great, but they weren't they weren't a laughing stock. They weren't, mm-hmm. you know, Dan Campbell's gonna bite your ankles off Lions. I mean, this they were actually a pretty formidable team, and uh, they were actually fun to watch on Thanksgiving because you had Barry Sanders uh, every year too, as well. So. Okay, I'll give you one more, and then I got a question for you, Paul, so you don't just have to listen to this. The stadiums were garbage. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) The stadiums were so bad. You were just, you're just playing on your living room carpet. It's just like, there's no, there was no coils underneath the turf. The the snow just piled up, and if somebody died, they died. It was just crazy. So many of them were being shared by baseball teams, too. I mean, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. Minnesota, uh, you know, so many of these stadiums, uh, even Atlanta, the the before the Georgia Dome opened, the um, the Falcons were playing at Fulton County Stadium down in Atlanta, sharing it with the Braves. So, yeah, the, that was the stadiums were bad. I, were I remember really when bad. when the Chargers were in the playoffs and they were talking about like and the Padres were in 98 and the Chargers were good. Um, so I guess I've got that backwards. This is, it was the beginning of charger season and the Padres were in the playoffs and the big conversation was like, Nintrone means has been ripping up this field. So the outfielders are falling everywhere. And it's just, yeah, that stuff doesn't and you had happen the, anymore. And at the early parts of the NFL season, you would still see the baseball dirt on some of the stadiums. Oh yeah. Through, you know, you know, down in uh, Miami where the dolphins would play because the Marlins were you know, still going on late mm-hmm. in the baseball season, you'd see the baseball dirt at, at the old pro player stadium and, and uh, San Francisco at candlestick and, and that sort of thing too. Okay. Matt, you had, well, hold on, Matt, you had to explain this to me on a YouTube hot routes. Cause I was going back looking for weird NFL rules and I stumbled upon that the refs would tell the crowd quiet down in the moment. <laughs> that is yeah. something that I had no knowledge of was just flabbergasted by why that would ever be a thing because now it's, that's all we, all you care about as a home stadium. You just wanted to get as loud as possible. I had no idea that they would ever even try to regulate that. Yep. Yep. That uh, the quarterback could go to the refs and be like, Hey, uh, get these guys to calm down. These fans they are too loud. I can't hear anything. Yeah. There was a lot of that. The first time they tried uh, instant replay, it was a complete, complete <laughs> disaster. People were challenging everything. They were reviewing everything. Games were taking 17 hours. I mean, there's so many things that were just a complete bleep show, but here's what I want you to tell me, Paul, because 10 years from now, you'll be doing whatever you're doing and you'll have an intern and you'll call him intern Todd or whatever. And you'll be like, intern Todd, let me tell you about how the league was in 2014 or whatever, back before you were around. Uh, what would you, what do you think you'll be telling young intern Todd from the future uh, about when you grew up watching football? I mean, the, it has to be the obvious one that, you know, we used this long metal chain to delineate first downs and <laughs> we just decided that, Oh, we're going to put the ball right here, I guess. And we're going to slip a, a note card in between the ball and the, in the chain to see if they got a first down there. There is no better way. There can't be that. That has to be the most technically and accurately like best way that we can do it. That, I mean, that has to, that's going to be the one that they're going to be like, wait, what you, you like waited for these guys with chains to run down the field to get set up before you could start a play. Like, huh? <laughs> like that has, that has, that has to be the one thing that, that intern Todd is so confused about. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I really, I mean, that's right. That 
I think the sky judge will be the other one where they'll be like, so they just used to guess if it was a catch instead of like the guy just telling them from upstairs because we he could see it on the digital monitor that has a heat map of whether the ball hit the ground. So, right, eventually there will be more technology to this to make it more accurate. Even in the game against the Packers, it's a third down or something. Thielen catches a ball. Looks like it's kind of like 50-50, yeah. and they're just like, first down. Like, oh. Oh, all right. That all doesn't right. really look like it, but I <laughs> guess it is. Uh, so I like that, Paul. That is a good answer. Well, look, uh, Paul, you do a tremendous job with the YouTube hot routes. It's five questions. The episodes are like 20 minutes long, so they're easy to watch on our YouTube page. Purple Insider. Just go search it. You'll find the hot routes. Manny, you're a hot routes legend and a great friend, and I appreciate you. And I'm glad that you could come on and have some fun with this. And uh, I'm going to play your intro one more time because it's just so tremendous. There's news in the NFL today. It's time to break it down in the only way we know how. Hot Rock Style. With our spin on football headlines with a mix of frozen tundras, neck rolls, and grass-stained jersey. Yeah, I'm glad we had to mention the neck rolls at some point. So, uh, man, if you don't, great... yeah, if you don't come for the YouTube show for anything else other than the intro, that's that's fine. You can come <laughs> watch the first twelve seconds and you can leave. But if you're if you're actively avoiding not doing that, then I don't I don't know what to tell you. So. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, th- thank you for joining Manny, and I appreciate you, Paul, doing what you're doing on the hot routes, keeping the legacy alive. So, thanks a lot, guys. You got Thanks, it. Man. Awesome.